0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Creative Ops Podcast, the weekly water cooler for the creative operations community. Joining me today is Dimitri Shalves, previously VP Branding Creative at Seven In today's episode, we're going to be hearing about creative operations as a hub or connective tissue between creative, marketing, and other stakeholder groups. We'll be exploring elevating the role and impact of creative ops by adopting KPIs pulled from the marketing and sales funnel and even the income statement. But we'll be connecting a few dots between self-service automation and experience. How to use self-service tools and experiments to allow marketers to go faster so that creative can provide slower and bigger impact strategy, thinking and ideas. You'll also hear about the idea of using self-service experiments as the new creative brief So grab your beverage of choice as we gather around the Creative Ops water cooler to drink some of the fountain of experience and ideas that Dimitri has to share with us today. Welcome to the Creative Operations Podcast. It's great to have you on today. Thank you for having me, Ash. You and I have known each other for a while, had a lot of good discussions about creative operations, marketing, brands, storytelling. So I was really looking forward to recording this with you today. You and I will probably pick up on some of the things we've talked about in the past and walk our way through various things related to creative operations. But really where I want to start off today is how we start off every episode with every guest. And that is, what is your definition of creative operations? And before you jump in, the reason I'm asking for anyone that hasn't listened to the podcast before is that I sort of feel like creative operations is in its teenage years. It's certainly exploded over the last 10 years, going from a few dozen people to, I think, hundreds or thousands of people on LinkedIn who identify as a, quote-unquote, creative operations professional. But I think if I lined up 100 people with the title creative operations and asked them, what's your definition of creative operations? I'm going to get a hundred different definitions. One of the things I want to do through discussions with folks like yourselves that have been in the space for a while is bring more clarity to what creative operations is, what its purpose is, where it should sit in an organization. I think we need to have a better definition of what creative operations is and where it's going. So with that really long preamble, what's your definition of creative operations today? And where do you see it going over the coming months and years?
1: I love the comparison to teenage years because that's when you figure out who you are. That's where you figure out what you're all about. And yeah, a hundred people and a hundred versions of an answer it makes perfect sense there. So for me, at, at its simplest form, creative operations is how you get any creative work. done. I think a lot about a centralized model of creative. And I think for that to be successful, To develop the appropriate partnerships to get the right resourcing to get anything together you need someone at the center and that's creative operations so if like you think of a bike tire creative operations is right at the center of that tire and then there's a bunch of spokes going out and those spokes go to your stakeholders they go to the devs they go to the designers they go to the various partners you have throughout the organization and essentially regardless of where you are you have to go through creative ops to get anything done maybe they're like traffic cops maybe they're traffic control at the airport. I don't know. There, there are lots of different ways to think about it. Really, it's about directions and the connections and the relationship building. So they're your strategists. They are your project managers. They are your resource managers. They are your account team in a lot of ways, because they're maintaining the relationships with stakeholders. Like I think creative operations is really at the core of getting work done in a modern day internal team, essentially. In terms of where it's going, I think it's going to take on the next level of also just automating and expediting and creating focus for the right creative work. Whereas in the past it's been about, okay, well, this is the work I do in-house. So I need project management support. And these are the, the, the people you talk to, then this is the work I need to outsource and here are the producers I'll work with. And that's that I think there's this new area that's popping up. And this will also tie into automation where. There's work that needs to get done that doesn't even need to get done by the internal team. It's either completely outsourced, it's automated, it's done using self-service. So I think creative operations is gonna be not just about getting work done, but also determining how work is done. That's the direction going forward where it becomes really important to start thinking about what is the right work, what is the most impactful work, and who should be doing that work to ensure that it gets done in the right way and does not become an obstacle for something that might be more of a priority, for for example. So this is a long and rambly answer, but today creative is how you get work done. Tomorrow creative operations is how work gets done and who gets done by
0: and why. I'm a big fan of rambling because that's the only way we're gonna get to the answers over time, right? So bring on the rambling. You're talking about freedom operations being in the middle like that hub and then you've got all these spokes so, I was hearing a lot of like the connective tissue between all the different individuals, teams that are involved in the production of creative from the stakeholders to the people doing the work to maybe external agencies and things like that. And almost sounds like you think creative operations to a certain extent with that relationship management playing the United Nations translator role yeah. of helping people understand each other. Two is, if you can maybe talk a little bit about some of the metrics that you're looking at, because I always find metrics help cast a light on what your definition of creative operations is.
1: I think there are some traditional metrics in terms of quantity and velocity, because you want to make sure that you're getting things done. You're getting things out the door. But going back to the answer about the future, what I'm thinking about now is how much work doesn't actually get done by the creators. How much work is enabled by work that's either able to be outsourced or automated and systematized or even formed via self-service? Because your creative teams traditionally will be focused on anything and everything that's thrown on their plate. And the majority of that work is run rate work. It's repeatable work, it's work that you've developed and figured out the playbook for, and you're just running it on repeat. That still takes up people's time and attention. And therefore, like they're not actually focused on the big swings. They're not focused on The things that are going to 10X your company or that are going to take you to the next level. So I'm thinking about how much impactful work they're doing and how ultimately those systems and tools that exist outside the core making of the creative, how they're performing for the business. So what is the MRR or AR? What is the impact of the business? How much are we saving on the headcount costs over subscription tools and things of that nature? How are we balancing our outsourcing spend with our investment in the team? And ultimately, what is that doing for the bottom line? cumulatively, the whole goal of creative operations should be about its efficiency. It's enabling more and more work, but getting done in different ways. So how are you essentially enabling the, the core team that you've hired for a very specific skill set to focus on the things that are going to get you to that next area and that next place of success? And when you think about an internal creative team that's doing all of the work versus some of the work. You can't look at your CMO or, or whoever and say, well, I'm going to ask these people to do less work and then actually see less of a return as a result. You need to see more of a return because you're making investments in other places. So the number in terms of what are we doing outside of direct creative work through other means and what that looks like.
0: I feel as this function, this role has evolved over the years, Most of the focus has really been on the operation side, and it's felt like it's been a lot of initiatives well-intentioned in the pursuit of scale and efficiency for the sake of scale and efficiency. So you could report back like, oh, we did 33% more assets, we delivered them 15% faster, and our cost per asset went down by like 8% year over year or something like that. And you could break it down by different asset types and things like that. And I think my peep peeve about creative operations has been a couple of things. One is just doing more stuff for the sake of doing more stuff is like, who cares? And this isn't just creative operations. This is like a human thing. You see this across every function in an organization. Salespeople early in their career will go, hey, sales manager, I made 100 calls this week and I only made 50 last week. And next week, I'm going to make 125. And sales manager is sitting there going, all right, how much revenue did you generate? Like that's ultimately what matters. It's not the number of dials. And it feels like creative operations is still very much mired in scale and efficiency. And what you're hitting at, like you're talking about automation or self-service so that the things that need to be done quickly, like a internal client, a marketer wants to launch a campaign to test an idea or something. So they need a landing page and a couple of other things. And it sounds like what, you've done and you're a big fan of is just help make that easy and automate it because that's not really creative work which is in my opinion often the ignored side of the creative operations equation let's pursue scale and efficiency so we can actually save time the creative team's time and free them up to actually apply their creative capabilities to doing great creative work great storytelling
1: That's exactly it. Like why be more efficient? Why save time? Why do any of these things? It's not to then pump out more eBooks or whatever. That's not going to be what makes you successful. But at the same time, you need those eBooks because you've built a a business around that. You can guess at how many leads that's going to generate. You can generally understand what that's going to do in terms of business revenue. But that doesn't mean that if you pump out twice as many eBooks, you're going to generate twice as much MRR or something. And I'm not here to pick on ebooks, but like, that's not to your point, creative work. That's a template. That's something that more or less can be set up in a way where it's like image here, headline, body text, stat, and someone has done all that work. Someone has done the research, someone has generally written the copy, but that someone then has to put it all together, send it through some random intake process and form. It gets stuck in a queue somewhere and work that can be turned around pretty quickly. Now up taking weeks and you've actually ended up losing on the predictive MRR side of it because something that you expected to be out got delayed because there's a higher priority and whatnot. And at the same time, now those same creatives that are receiving that work and that are putting that ebook together, they don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel satisfied. That's not what they wanted to do. They've already done 20 other ebooks this year and they're mad about it. So they're probably looking for new jobs and all either side of this equation wants to do is something new and interesting and innovative because that's why you do this. No one signed up to, to become an ebook factory. No one signed up to do a million case studies. No one's signed up to spit out landing pages for offers or webinars or whatever. Like everyone's trying to innovate. So you want to open up that opportunity for the creatives to innovate and try something new and pitch ideas and come up with campaign ideas and other things to really feel fulfilled. And on the like, core marketer side, you want to give them the tools to get their job done. Now, guess what? That ebook is done. Well, you have some time to start thinking about that next thing. Maybe you had an idea that you have a hypothesis about. You also now have the tools outside of that. If you have a CMS, if you have Canva, if you have whatever it might be that you need, video editing tools, you could start building out these MVPs and trying different things out, the, the repeatable stuff. It causes people to get stuck. And the more you could free them up to do what they're excited about, ultimately, the more successful the business is going to be, the happier the employee is going to be, and the more out there you're going to get. We forget why we keep the lights on in a lot of events. You want to be pushing forward, and you have to remember coming back to the efficiency that you're gaining from creative operations. There has to be a means to an end. You have to see the full picture here, because if you don't, you're just doing repeatable work. You're rinsing and repeating, and no one wants that. No one wants that.
0: We're definitely gonna come back to this whole notion of automation and repeatability when we get into AI a little bit later on, but that self-service capability, it really allows the marketers to, as you said, move faster, do more experiments, and find the signal and the noise of what might work. I've talked about this previously. Once they do find the signal, If they want to sort of build out that campaign, or they've got some validation of a kernel of an idea or something like that, at that point, it's then engaging with your creative team to go, okay, like, how do we take this from a 1x and turn it into something that's 10x? You've got this phrase I love called slow creative. That seems antithetical to do more, do it faster, especially in this era of, you know, AI is allowing us to do everything in a split second.
1: Going back to like velocity and whatnot, everyone wants to move quickly. but then you start thinking about the processes that surround a lot of the work. And the processes are not fast, especially if you're looking to meet a certain bar of quality. And when I think about working with creative, and I touched on this a second ago, there's a whole lot of stuff that comes along with it. You you have your intake forms, you have your feedback rounds, you have your demos, you have, kickoffs right? I'm going out of order here, but there's so many different steps I and mean, you have your sprints and you have your different cadences of working together. And this team works one way and this team works on waterfall. This team works more agile. It's a pain in the ass. Forgive my language. So ultimately that marketer that has a hypothesis or has an idea by the time something gets done, that hypothesis may no longer be valid. It may not even be something worth testing. So to give them an opportunity to test something out, put a low-lift MVP together, collect some data, and then figure out if it's worth investing in further. And that's the point where you start working with creative, right? When you want high-quality creative out of your creative team, you're not looking for just a production factor. So you, you come up with a hypothesis, you build an MVP, you test it, it proves that it's worthwhile and worth investing in. Now you come to the creative team with all the supporting data and information and your findings, and you can really blow out that MVP to the next level. It's a real deal V1. So when I say come to creative to work slow, I mean, you need to, to understand what you're doing and what you're asking for so that you could actually build something worthwhile, because I've seen too many V1s, V2s, V3s in my career that came from literally no information. Someone said, oh, I think it would be cool if we did this. And you just throw all of your eggs in that basket and you miss the window of testing because there was maybe something that had to do with the trend or something in the market at the moment. And then you didn't have any data to support it. So not only did you waste your time building something that maybe an exec on your team thought was a cool idea, you also then didn't spend time working on something that would have actually been valuable to the business based on things you've known. So. I want people when they have an idea of what will actually work and perform in the market and how it will perform in the market so that we get to put the appropriate resources against it and build something that's really, really cool.
0: That leads to such a healthier relationship between marketers and the creative team because I think in most organizations, I don't want to say the relationship is adversarial, but it's very much rooted in we need something and we're going to chuck it over the wall and you're going to do something and just let us know when it's going to be done by or i need it by this date so just figure out how you're going to get it done by that date and this approach where you're giving them self-service tools so they can experiment and go faster and not have to come to your team yet and then come to you once something is validated lends itself well to a much more collaborative relationship something rooted in confidence that, yeah, we should invest our time in this versus nah, I just need to figure out how to do it because somebody in marketing wants it. Both sides are more informed and it's not just,
1: oh, so-and-so wanted to do this and so now we have to do it. Like there's a real business reason and everyone's on the same side at the end of the day. We get into the us versus them mentality way too easy in a lot of instances. Creative first marketing is one of them because usually they are one in the same creative. Generally, brand and creative sit within the marketing team as I think they should, personally. So coming from a place of information is really helpful in level setting and getting everyone at the same starting point. Then at the same time, I think that relationship is just so, so important where the marketers will have the data and the insight and they'll have inspiration and things that they've seen out in the world. The, The creatives will have an understanding of what it takes to get the work done. What else they could do to make something that's more additive to the initial idea or the initial brief, you just don't have that kind of a partnership. If everyone isn't on the same page, if it is that, just throw it over the fence room, just make it pretty mentality. It's about making an impact on the business and that only comes from
0: partnership. I think it would be valuable for the audience if we heard from you about a couple of things when it comes to self-service. One is, how do you sort of determine what ends up in the self-service bucket? Like we're going to let the marketers do these things on their own. And then at what point... Should they stop the experimenter doing things on their own and come and say, hey, now that we've proven something, we're ready to go slow with you. And I think when you say slow creative, you're saying slow, but you're actually going to move much faster in terms of time to meaningful return. Yeah, it's not actually slow and speed,
1: that's for sure. It's more focused. It's more direct. So let's start with the first question. I think if someone has an idea and they have access to the tools, they should just run with it. Like I don't personally have a particular issue or thoughts of ownership in terms of this should be me versus you. I think best idea wins. And I think if someone has an opportunity to go out in the market and start collecting data, they should do that. I'm always happy for someone to check in, ask questions. You know, should I use this module versus that module or this template or that template? I think that's great. That also helps further the relationship. But ultimately, if you can do it. You should do it. Don't let us stand in the way. The second part of the question in terms of when to come to us, I think once you have meaningful data, you know, being out in the world for a day and getting one sign up or download or whatever it might be like, that's not meaningful data depending on the company, depending on how, how much awareness you have, depending on lots of things. Like it depends is the general go-to for pretty much every question, but depending on what looks promising to you. I think that's when you need to come to the creative team to see if it's worth it. As an example, we built the landing page. We've got a hundred leads through. That could be a lot. That could be a little. But then you go to the creative team and say, okay, cool. Well, we want to build this extra feature into it. We want to make this an interact module. We want to create a video that will tell people about what we're trying to achieve here. And then we want to create a T-shirt. I don't I'm, I'm making all this up on the fly, obviously. All of all of those individual pieces will require time and effort and research. In some instances, production time. So let's say takes six weeks uh, to get it done from the point you submit your request to the point where we can deliver. What will the trade-off be in six weeks? And I get that you're still running your initial experiments. About will those six weeks return? something worthwhile, or is there something else that we should be working? This is all hypothetical, but you're, you're asking a team to invest a fair amount of time in something you're asking to level up and ultimately, I guess you should have some sort of intuition based on the work that you've done already, it's not as concrete as I would love for it to be. And it's case by case, Uh, you need to talk to leadership. You need to understand what the, the, the team goals are, what the company goals are. You need to understand what different segments you're going after. There's lots of questions that go into when should someone come more creative, but ultimately it will have been once an experiment has proved to be successful and that you can predict essentially that taking this a step further will generate outsized returns compared to the time it will take to actually do it.
0: You're making me think about a couple of things. I'm almost thinking like I've now got this set of self-service tools that you provided. Maybe I could do a landing page, maybe an email campaign. And I'm going to guess there's some rules. You've got to define a cusp, like an experiment pool. That's X number of people. Like, Let's do the experiment with a thousand. And there's got to be a clearly defined hypothesis of what are you trying to prove with this experiment and what needs to be true to then scale the experiment with your team. So a couple of things on that. One is... Does your team today get involved? Where do you see it in the future, getting involved in helping to design the experiments? Does the experiment itself become the new creative brief? Like traditionally, and in most orgs, somebody fills out a creative brief, which is like, you know, taking the worst online dating profile survey, usually tons of questions. And it's not really a representation of what I'm trying to do or communicate about myself. I'm rambling, but I'll go back to the two questions. Does your team get involved in designing the experiments or should it? And the experiment, is that the new creative brief? I'll start with the
1: second part. I've never thought of it as the new creative brief, but it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think so. Because when I think about intake questions, one of the questions has always been, have you put something together? Have have you built something using self-service? So if there's something that you could directly reference, that's such a huge head start, so I don't know if it's the future of it, but I'm all about team, uh, MVP becoming the new creative brief, going back to the the first question, I think it depends, but. I would prefer that. And in a lot of instances, it does happen. I think there's this general kind of stigma around creatives being divas and just wanting to, to like hang out all day and do cool things and whatnot. Creatives are problem solvers. The reason why someone can be creative is because they have been provided the guardrails and they have to think through a way out of that, think through a way to do something interesting and differentiated. So. They should be solving problems and helping design experiments. It doesn't always happen. The marketer doesn't always ask. The creative doesn't always want to participate. Let's not say one side is better than the other or anything like that, but in a truly collaborative environment, the marketer will come back with the problem that they're trying to solve and the, the creative will help them work through that. And sometimes it happens before the MVP is created. Sometimes it happens once there are some results and you need to ask more questions. In terms of blowing it out to that next level, but in a healthy organization and those conversations are always going on and the creatives are definitely helping design the experiments.
0: You and I have been around long enough. So we remember a time where it was marketers versus creatives, like not that adversarial, but everybody's had their own sandbox. That was most prevalent probably 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, where everything was being done in Photoshop and things like that, and things were treated like sort of an assembly line, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, like creatives, they want to come up with solutions, and they've got all these amazing capabilities, and I don't think it's fully leveraged, but there is still that echo from yesterday of, well, I'm the marketer, you're the creative, and then you've got these other stakeholders, and everyone's in their sandbox, so how do you, as a creative operations leader, create the understanding or the culture of Ultimately, guys, this is about the business outcome. You make it a mantra.
1: You say, we're trying to help the business. We're trying to make an impact. We're trying to prioritize the most important work for this company. And I think most people that you work with will understand that and will be in support of that. You, you do have those folks who have certain thoughts on how things should run and what processes should look like and old habits die hard, but you have to keep reminding people and then you have to make it easy. I remember ad nauseum just saying, you got to say no, you got to say no, you got to say no. Well, saying no doesn't win you any friends, right? All of a sudden, you're just the guy who says no. So no one wants to work with you. The reality is, and this is where I think the evolution of creative and creative operations has come to play. The answer doesn't have to be no anymore. It's like, yes, we can help you. And here's this great resource, here's this tool, here's this training documentation. Here's this Loom video that we put together to teach you how to use this thing and show you how to use it. It's a lot more collegial. It's a lot more friendly. It's a lot more helpful. And I think between actually providing help to the, your colleagues and pr- constantly repeating the fact that you're trying to help the business, you win a lot of people because they understand that you're in it together as creative operations leaders, as creative leaders, period. We have to continue building those bridges and making it as easy as possible to work with creative because again, creative works slow, whether you like it or not, and for people to want to deal with that nonsense. And a lot of it is self-imposed nonsense, right? Um, you've got to make it as easy as possible to work
0: fast. And nobody's at fault, but everybody's at fault, right? I didn't find in the creative brief process very often. It's the simple question of what are you trying to achieve? is not asked and that data is not captured. And it's probably sitting in a campaign management system. That data could easily be pushed into the creative brief form or whatever format any individual organization is using to provide that context. And then from the creative side sometimes, well, they wanna do something because it's cool and it's fun and it's just like, who cares? The outcome is what matters. Or from the marketer's side, you get this horrific feedback like, can you make it pop? Or can you make it purple instead? And it's just like, who cares about making a pop and who cares about purple, right? What we produce might seem really boring and we're not going to play it at the annual company party or anything like that because it's not going to wow anybody. But it's effective because we know historically it's been effective. Ultimately, it is about the business outcome. So how do you and the branding creative team translate business objectives? Here's what we're trying to achieve this year and what our priorities are. How do you translate that, whether it comes to like self-service tools or it comes to great creative and storytelling? A big part of it is helping the creatives
1: understand what those goals are and why they exist and what they're hoping to achieve. Because understanding will help you come up with solutions and it'll help you create that connection to an actual goal. Something like generate this many signups or launch this product. Those things are important to the people that are doing that core work. Like the, the product engineers that are building that product. It's very clear and obvious why that's going on to someone that's a bit further removed, even within marketing, it may not be as clear. So you need to set that standard and that base level of under, understanding of why. And the, the next part of it, you have to make the goals ownable. creative is tough, right? Because you either have that old kind of thinking around like, well, increase velocity, pump out this many assets. For devs, keep your code dry for designers, start using more templates so you could pump out more stuff, whatever. But that goes back into that old school mentality of create more, not do better necessarily. So the way I think about it is again, we've touched on it numerous times now, but that partnership between the marketers and the creatives, if we were to use like a, a more traditional acquisition team as an example you have creatives that are dedicated to acquisition work, that are building relationships, that are starting to learn the business, understand the business. And like the marketer will have a goal, right? Generate 100,000 leads here, making that number up as well. Well, guess what? That's the creative's goal too. They have to be able to live with that because then they're going to start thinking like acquisition marketers who have creative skills. And it's been cool seeing the creatives who, you know, historically will not have had any interest all of a sudden start coming up with ideas about what if we did a pop in CTA or what if we did a modal takeover or what if we put this in the middle of the podcast you you start getting those newer ideas fresher ideas that are based in what's happening within the, the creative space which is really fun but you have to tie the work directly to the business otherwise if you try to translate it into some random fluffy brand or creative goal you're you're never going to do it, and then everyone's being like, "Okay, so what are your OKRs for Q1?" I don't know. Do do better work, and that's not something that's measurable. You got to make it measurable. The brand marketing side of things might be a little bit easier from a just purely numerical standpoint, where okay, we have 30% awareness, we want 40% of awareness by the end of the year, or something like that, and you could start building strategies objectives against that. But the majority of of our work is really tough to quantify. I find so aligning it with the broader company objectives, and then the more specific goals that come within the teams that support those high-level objectives is is how I've done
0: it. The creative team or the creative operations team, are their KPIs the same as the marketing teams? Depending on the business, it's about customer acquisition or maybe a conversion rate at a certain part of the funnel or revenue acquisition or revenue retention. Is it rooted in those hardcore business KPIs versus we produce more, we did it faster, which I think still matter, is it more the marketing KPIs that you're really aligning your team against. Absolutely. If you think about, okay, well,
1: is the CTA red? Is the CTA blue? Do we put a form on there? Do we not put a form on there? If those goals don't belong to the creatives as well, they're not going to ask those questions. They're just going to sit there and wait for work. And then they're going to complain about being order taker. No one wants to be an order taker, especially in the creative field. They want to feel like they have ownership of the work and that they've contributed in a bigger way than just delivering on someone else's vision. So you have to have some sort of association to that direct marketing goal in this
0: particular instance,
1: so that you could feel empowered to ask the right questions and push on the business and the stakeholders specifically in the right way.
0: I like that because it it sort of links back to what you've been talking about throughout this episode because if it is their goals in terms of those bottom line business objectives that the marketers are also held to and they're quantifiable, it then reinforces, yes, we should be on the lookout for what should be delivered in a self-service model because then we could move faster with experiments. As we're talking about before, maybe there is... More input in not just providing self-service tools, but experimentation design or experiment design. And then maybe that experiment does become the new create a brief, but it's not a form that gets filled out. It initiates that let's get into the room with the whiteboard and figure out how to blow this out because we all care about moving the needle on these KPIs like conversion rate or. Revenue, I think about marketing team meetings a lot, you sit
1: there and every CMO on the planet does those first like, okay, so this is how the business has performed for the last month or, you know, since the last time we met and half the room just tunes out. But like that business performance is literally why any of us are sitting in that room, it's important to listen. It's important to care. So when your goals are not aligned to that, you're going to tune out so you have to tie it all together it all has to go to the same place because alignment is the most important thing i think you could have as a business but you need to all be moving in the same direction and when you have those high level goals you need to be able to go down from this is the north star metric that we care about you need to be able to slow down and see how all of the different things come together to help you meet that north star metric and i think creatives historically just they haven't had that so they didn't care and that's partially where probably some of that jaded mentality cliche stuff comes from. Give them something they care about, giving them something that they're actually going to be reviewed on. Sorry about that. Adopt. No worries. Now you are also incumbent as the creative ops group on the project to go get those results to make sure that we're reporting back and understanding how we're performing. How do we improve? What do we do better? What is it working? What are the points that we can look back at it? This shouldn't be a CTA that links out to another page where you have a form. We should just put the form directly there. It leads back to collaboration. It leads back to people working together and communicating, but, but you need that information on how something performed so that you could then improve your own craft and your own skill set. Like, what are you actually trying to help? Or are you trying to support within the business and how do you become better at the skills that you need for that specific thing? Then how do we shift you over to a different segment where. You can take those learnings from this part of the business and apply them somewhere else. Maybe I want to reframe my answer from the very beginning. It's not just about getting work done, but it's about improving on the work and making it better, not just from an efficiency and speed standpoint, but also from an actual quality and deliverability standpoint.
0: We have come full circle, and that's probably a, a good segue to start wrapping up. We'll have to schedule another episode with you, Dimitri, get more into AI and things like that. I loved where you started in terms of your definition of creative operations being that connective tissue and really focused on how the work gets done. That really comes to life because of the other things you've been talking about. One is rooting your team in the business metrics, tracking things like how much and how quickly, but Those are means to an end. And that allows your team to bring their full creative talent to, how do we move the needle on these things that really matter to the business? And it moves creative ops team from order taking, which I think has been the norm for most creative ops teams to being strategic partners. And that really adds fuel and life to being that hub that's that connective tissue between all the different spokes. I love what you're doing in terms of self-service as a tool for experimentation. If you're talking about experimentation and then slow creative, I can't help but think of that old fable of the tortoise and the hare. You're using experiments to go a little bit faster, but to a certain point. And then the tortoise is able to do what it does. And we know how that fable ends. I'm really looking forward to like having future conversations, seeing what you're doing. I'm happy to
1: have as many conversations as, as you like. Uh, this work is fascinating. It's so much fun to think about. And, you know, it's funny. I've never thought of myself as an ops person. And then I realize I'm very much an ops person. So even just like coming to grips with that and then like marrying the, the side of who I thought I was with the actual ops person that I am has been really cool has brought on a lot of these thoughts and changes. So let's keep it going.
0: I think the best ops people, and you're one of those for sure, are people who embrace operations so they can get all the rubble out of the way. So they and their team can focus on the things that they're great at. So we can allow the creatives to do great creative work. And we're definitely going to have to have that conversation about AI. I
1: I completely agree. AI is not going to be the great equalizer that I think people think it's going to be. It's going to just push more mediocrity out.
0: Yeah, or it's going to be the great equalizer in terms of everything's sort of going to be like a sea of sameness, right? I think there's going to be a portion of the AI that just leads to a lot more mediocre stuff being put out there because it's just fast and easy and it doesn't break through the noise. So final question as we're wrapping up here, who do you want to hear on the podcast in a future episode? Well, you
1: asked me to surprise you. So I have two for you. So the first one is Matt from SlayerWorks. He and I have worked together in the past. He's arguably the person that taught me about project management and ops more than anyone else. He's been a partner in crime in a lot of different ways in terms of thinking through intake, thinking through processes, thinking through different tools. So I think there's a lot to learn from that. And the company he's working at now is doing some really cool things on the operations side. And then the other person I would recommend is Shane from AIR. AIR is a digital asset management platform, KADAM, and I'm going to giggle as I always do. Their whole thinking is around setting up DAM as your creative ops platform, basically. He can put it into words way better than i can. great guy really really smart and it's a product that i think everyone should be using
0: okay cool well then matt ianta and shane from air the digital asset management company expect me to be hitting you up in your inboxes in the near future all right well dimitri i really appreciate it i'm walking away thinking about a few things like the tortoise and the hare creative operations as the connective tissue Self service for experiments to go faster, and are those experiments? Then you create a brief. This is incredibly valuable for me, as I'm sure it will be for the audience. Thanks very much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This was a ton of fun. That's a wrap for today's episode. Remember to please do three things. Number one, head over to creativeops.fm and sign up for that companion newsletter. Number two, whatever your favorite podcast player is, please hit subscribe. Search for Creative Ops, all one word, Creative Ops Podcast. Make sure you don't miss the next episode. And remember, number three, this isn't just my journey of curiosity. This is our journey of curiosity about all things Creative Ops. So if you've got a question or maybe a different perspective about what you heard today, or maybe you just want to share something that you're curious about, drop me a line at nish at creativeops.fm. Thanks so much, and I look forward to catching you at the Creative Ops Water Cooler for next week's episode.